I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Arnold Palmer is the Masters champion of 1960. He has birdied the last two holes to catch and then move ahead of Ken Venturi. One of the greatest displays of courageous golf that anybody has ever seen any place. Uh, up the hill. Oh, did you ever see one like that? <laughs> I think that's one of the greatest putts I've ever seen in my life. There it is! Can you believe it? Nick Faldo! There it is! A win for the ages! Is it his time? Oh my goodness. friends, I'm Jim Nance. It's my great pleasure to welcome you to the Masters Tournament. I've heard it said before, it's a tradition unlike any other. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. It is Masters Week, so we have Polly from Polly's Picks coming on to help us all with our Masters pools, DraftKings, one and done leagues. You know, this is the week where everybody has a chance to win a million dollars on DraftKings. So, Polly, welcome on. Hey, what's up, Andy? Not much, man. Just a uh, busy week and uh, ready to. I'm 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 excited for it, and um, you know it's crazy this year with how many you know people are peaking going into the tournament, and it makes picking for one and done and all of these things really tough. Yeah, definitely. It's one of those like the perfect storm scenario where you couldn't imagine having this many people playing good coming into Augusta and this many good storylines. It's literally like a script out of a movie. Yeah, what do you what do you think legitimate winners like you know in turn I I think there's probably about twenty guys where if you told me hey Tommy Fleetwood won I wouldn't be surprised. Um, what do you think? Where do you think it goes down to? Yeah, I think there's about fifteen to twenty that would win, but I think this is one of the unique years to where there's about eight or ten guys that you could tell me win by four or five shots, and I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, just because when when the guys are on fire, like when Justin Thomas gets on on fire, or when DJ gets on fire, or you know, or Jason Day, right? When those guys are at the top of their game, they can win a win an event by four or five, especially in a major. I I agree. I think um, if we will be treated to 
an unbelievable Sunday if we could get two or three of those guys playing at the top end of their game and, and see a real shootout. Um, it'll be really a, a fascinating Masters to watch. So with you know, all eyes on golf for you know the biggest week of the year, tons of people are playing pools, and I think the pools really mirror uh, DraftKings pretty well in the sense of you know, a lot of people like to pick the same guys. So what's your strategy going into DraftKings or say big office pools or big friend pools? Yeah. So if I'm trying to, you know, win a big pool, whether it's on, you know, winning the millionaire maker on DraftKings or, or winning a pool where there's, let's say maybe a hundred entries, uh, I'm going to try to figure out who I think everyone is going to pick. And then maybe I'll take a slightly like lower owned guy. So for example, like if you think Jordan Spieth's going to be, you know, the highest selected player in your office pool, you may want to pick, you know, somebody else in that tier just because you're going to have a better chance to win most likely if you're not playing Spieth at that point. Do you expect Spieth to be the highest owned player or do you think uh, it's going to be Tiger? After what he did today in Houston, I, I, I would think so, yes. With him finishing third there and putting miserably, I think he's going to be the highest owned guy in most of the pools and possibly even on even on drafting this week. I feel like the third place finish for Spieth there was like the ideal finish. You don't want to win that week because it's so hard to win back-to-back tournaments and nobody's ever won in Houston and then won in, at Augusta. But a third place, ideal, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and the way that Spieth did it too, I mean, he lost three shots on the greens this week in Houston and finished third. Are you worried at all given that you know, he entered the week, I think, 172nd in strokes game putting. No, I mean, based on some of the interviews he's had in the past uh, regarding Augusta, he just is able to see the lines very well in those greens and just feels comfortable. And if he just has a marginal putting week, he's going to be in the contention in the back nine on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, so Spieth, you're expecting going to be the highest owned player. Um, who would you say kind of if you, if you're looking at, we'll say, Rory, Tiger, Spieth, Justin Thomas, DJ as kind of this this upper echelon. I guess you could throw Jason Day in there. I feel like Je- Justin Rose could be in that section. How would you rank those those top tier options if you were picking? Uh, you're talking in regards to DraftKings or for like office pools? Let's say uh, we'll say each. Okay, so if we're looking at DraftKings, where it's you know a salary based approach. Where you have Dustin Johnson is the highest priced guy by a good amount. He's at eleven thousand four hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's not going to get picked a lot because people are going to go down and play Jordan Spieth at ten thousand four hundred, or they'll even play Tiger at ten thousand, or even you know similarly priced players of Rory or Jason Day. So I think DJ goes a little bit under owned up there, maybe only owned by ten or fifteen percent of people. And DJ is a heck of a player and can make a lot of birdies and eagles, which is good for drafting scoring. So. Yeah, that's true. I mean, a thousand bucks, and the field is small, so I've, you can make it up on the back end with some good low price players, right? Definitely, yes. Um, so, so you like DJ of this top tier, and and say say you know, I know a lot of people will put a hundred bucks in and do five of these entries. How would you? Mm-hmm. How do you strategize with going with like when you do multiple entries for these things? Do you try and do you have a core group of guys or do you try and checker a couple, you know, different lineups together? Sure. I can kind of talk about the strategy I do for the, for the large events like this. So this week we have the, the millionaire maker on DraftKings, which it's a $20 entry million dollar first place prize. 
And I think second place is, is like 150000 So you're pretty much putting $20 in trying to hit the jackpot for a million dollars. And with that thought in mind, you want to have a unique lineup because there's over 200,000 entries in this. So with only, you know, 80-something guys in the field, you're going to have a lot of lineups that are duplicated to where you may put a lineup in with a, b- a bunch of guys that are very popular and 80 other people have the exact same lineup. And I think that's a problem you can run into, Andy. Don't you agree? Yeah, you know, a couple of years ago, I was like when Spieth uh, had that horrible, disastrous quadruple, I was in like seventh place in this thing. And uh, but I was another guy had the exact same lineup as I I did. And I was watching myself go up there and I was like, oh, man, somebody else has the same lineup. They made a seven, which made it completely moot. But, you know, you could see it when you get up there. It's like, yeah, there's there's so much. I mean, one player makes all the difference between first and what, 50th sometimes? Exactly. And so one of the strategies I'll do this week is we have a $50,000 budget on DraftKings, and and the pricing is pretty soft in terms of, you know, there's a lot of guys down that are valuable at the lower end that you can can play or even in the middle range to where I'm not going to use all 50,000 because a lot of people will fill out a lineup and they get to their last guy and say, hey, I got eight guys, 8,800. He's going to spend that 8,800 on a player that's pretty close to that price range. Whereas I'm going to probably go down and leave myself five, six, seven hundred dollars and choose somebody, you know, around eight thousand just because it's going to provide me a unique lineup to where, you know, I may have the same five players as somebody else, but I'm not going to be duplicating their lineup because of that. And you could have some players that maybe the difference between choosing, let's say, instead of taking Paul Casey, you take Adam Scott, which in reality isn't a big difference between the players. That's a great point. I mean, it's hard when you got money to not spend it. And in this case, you're saying don't spend all your money because it'll give you more chance of being unique. Exactly. So, I mean, you could end up having winning the millionaire maker and having 50 people tie you and maybe you end up getting like $30,000 when you think you would have won a million. (laughs) That would be an ultimate buzzkill. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So um, getting into kind of some players you like. So as, as we talked about earlier, there's say 15 guys that 15 to 20 guys that could legitimately win this thing. Um, and then with DraftKings, which are the, of the top tier, say 8,300 guys or 8,000 above, who are the guys you like? So the guys I like there, I think one guy that'll fly under the radar a little bit is uh, Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, so Matsuyama's down at 8,400, and I think a lot of people won't play him because the last time they kind of saw him or heard from him, he was injured, withdrew from the waste management in Phoenix. But since then, he, he's come back, played played twice at Bay Hill and WGC, and from all reports I've heard, he's back healthy. Uh, and, and he tends to play pretty good here at Augusta with, with a lot of high finishes and has that high towering uh, you know iron game, which is perfect for, for a lot of the approaches into the greens. Yeah, I think one of the things I look for with Augusta picks in general is iron play. So I think the best iron players play the best at Augusta because of the way the course is set up where the approach shots have, you know, very little room for error. You know, they ask you to hit these great approach shots. And, you know, typically what you see is the guys that regularly have success at Augusta are some of the best iron players. So you look at Paul Casey, three straight top sixes. He's one of the best iron players in the world. Justin Rose, one of the best iron players in the world. Phil Mickelson, best one of the best iron players in the world. 
Tiger Woods, you know, so on and so forth. And Hideki Matsuyama is one of the best iron players in the world. So I definitely like uh, Matsuyama. Exactly. I couldn't agree more because it's not necessarily about hitting it close with the irons. It's hitting in the correct area on the greens. And so when the guys are mishit that aren't as good with the irons are missing it, they're missing it in spots to where they can't get up and down. And that's where the bogeys creep in. If yeah. you look at guys that have won here in the past, it's by eliminating bogeys, not by making 25 birdies. Well, I think one of the things with that too is that that Augusta has a lot of uneven lies. So what you get with those uneven lies is it it just it it makes it harder to hit the right number. So the the great iron players separate themselves even more because it's just you know they're they're more talented and it's a tougher situation. So I think like a, a couple places that mirror that are Kapalua. Um, Pebble has some pretty uneven fairways. Memorial, uh, even John Deere and Barracuda are a couple other ones that are some of the most undulating fairways on tour. Definitely, yeah. Um, so then if you're looking at like your office pool, obviously it's a little bit different. You're dealing with like a different kind of subset where 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 could you I, I generally think my strategy and you tell me if this is right or wrong you're you know you're, I, I think that when I'm in my friends pools no offense to any friends listening or in office pools what happens is there's a lot of people that don't know what they're doing so they go after the big names and if you pick some guys that are playing well that are a little bit lesser known names you usually have a lot of success. Yeah, I think the big advantage on the office pools isn't necessarily with like your top pick because a lot of times you're just putting little pods. So you'll see the top like 10 guys in one pod. It's about differentiating in other pods to where you may pick somebody like example, like a Tommy Fleetwood to where, uh, you know, a, a, a person that watches a lot of golf is going to know him. But a casual golf fan that just watches the majors isn't going to know that much about Fleetwood. Yeah. So. With DraftKings, and sorry to bounce back to this, um, anybody you like outside of DJ and uh, Matsuyama, I know you mentioned uh, uh, Adam Scott before in this 8,000 above range. Yeah, I think one, one other guy there is me, Paul Casey. I think he's going to be one of the higher-owned guys of the week as well, probably in the top four or five highest-owned. His, his iron game is just too good. As you mentioned earlier, he's got three straight top sixes here. He's been playing good all year. His last 10 events on tour, he's gained 39 shots uh, on approach, which is just a stupid to stick there. And if he's able to have, you know, a halfway decent putter, he's going to be another top five or top 10 finishers this week again. You know, Paul Casey's number one in the Sagarin rankings, which is like, you know, they do head to head against every golfer every week. He's number one in the world. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Consistency. Yeah. Uh, so we got to ask, what about Phil and Phil and Tiger? Where where are you where are you standing on these two? So I'd rather have Phil than Tiger this week, just because Phil's hitting his irons really good. Uh, he, over his last, you know, he obviously didn't play great in Houston this week, but prior to that, his four, you know, stroke play events, I think he gained 15 shots on approach and finished in the top six in, in each of those events, and then obviously uh, won the WGC in Mexico. So I'd take that over Tiger any day. Okay. So now we're down into the 8,000. And I mean, it's always funny. I feel like when you look at these, this range of players for the Masters, because 8,000 and below, and you see these names that a lot of times are some of the highest priced guys at your regular tour stop. So um, say 7,900 starts with Louis, then it goes to Henrik Stenson, who 
I horrible form, but then let's let's knock this down to seven thousand. What are the names that kind of jump out in here? Sure, I think the one that jumps out, and if you're looking like for consistency and most likely to you know get you a nice high top ten finish, is going to be Matt Kuchar. Uh, Kuchar played good here in Houston as well, and his track record at Augusta is very solid. Where he's had top eight finishes in four of the last six years, and he's just a guy that's just going to plot around, not make a lot of mistakes, keep it in play missing the correct side of the greens and you know he's not going to run away with anything but he'll he'll be there uh come the weekend yeah you know i was i was looking at stats and trying to dive into this i couldn't sleep on sunday night and i was, I was thinking about you know why people play well at the masters and uh i started thinking about matt kuchar and i started to realize that one of the more underrated skills that guys have that do well is the um short games because everybody misses and puts themselves in bad positions. And I think, you know, Jordan Spieth and, and Kuchar are two great examples of that, is that they miss smart, but then they also have just unbelievable short games that are, allow them to keep their momentum going by, with those par saves. Yeah, and I think the one other thing that helps Kuchar at Augusta, he's very good with distance control, and so you don't want to be missing any of your shots long on any of these greens, and he, he tends to, if his misses are going to be left and right on iron shots, which is a lot easier to get up and down. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, Berger's a guy that I've, you know, top, top 27 in his two starts there. Um, really good iron player. What do you think about Berger? He's a guy that has a lot of, a lot of upside, I would say to where, you know, you tell me he finishes, you know, in the top 10, I can definitely believe it. I'm not sure if he, he can possibly win here, but he's a guy that when he's playing well, makes a lot of birdies, which is going to be good if you're playing him on, on DraftKings at 7,500 this week. Mm-hmm. Um, who else kind of jumps in here? Uh, I'd probably drop down a little lower to Charlie Hoffman at 7,100. Okay. Uh, it, he was the leader after the first round here last year. Uh, so the last three years he's gone 22nd, 29th, and 9th here. Uh, and he's gained strokes on approach in every event so far in 2018. Yeah. It, everybody was expecting him to fade away. He kind of hung around all the way through till Sunday. Um, and I mean, he, he's a, He's a guy that gets better every year, seem, seemingly, and he hasn't had a breakout performance this year, but he's been solid. Yeah, and I think the one thing with Hoffman was, I don't think he's scared of the big moment. I think he actually relishes, you know, being in contention and, you know, needing to play aggressively. He's not going to let off the gas pedal if he's in there, you know, on Saturday and Sunday. What about your boy, Russell Henley? I feel like you always love Henley everywhere. <laughs> I, I like Henley because for some reason he, he plays well on courses that he has good history at. That same thing happened this week at Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of expecting the same thing this week to where, you know, he's a pretty good driver of the golf ball and then has a pretty good short game and that tends to add up pretty well uh, here at Augusta. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and makes a lot of birdies. <laughs> any players in here that you don't like? Any Anybody you're fading? Uh, if we're looking on the DraftKings side, when it comes to tournaments, I tend to fade guys that don't make a lot of birdies. So that'll be, you know, your guys like maybe a Brendan Grace or, uh, possibly even maybe a Charles Schwartzel, just because the, the upside isn't that great for them to where they could finish 10th and it could be the same amount of points DraftKings wise, the guy that finishes 30th that makes a lot of birdies. So what about Cantley? He hasn't missed a cut since uh, coming back from uh, injury. And uh, he was the low am here the only other time he's played. Kind of fits what we've been talking about, too. 
Yeah, I, it's hard for me to go with Cantler Sweet week to have a you know to be in, in full contention i think he probably makes the cut and finishes you know around 20th but it, i tend to go for guys that have that have played the masters multiple times just because of the experience of where to hit it on the greens knowing all the pin locations and just being comfortable in that atmosphere and you know cantley hasn't played here in what six years and that was as an amateur so uh, it's gonna be a little tough i like cantley still i think he's a big game hunter Hagestad came on the pod. He was saying he thinks Cantley might win, which is crazy. But who knows? Crazier. That's why they play the game, right? Exactly right. Anybody can win. Um, so anybody else in the seven thousand uh, to you know seventy nine hundred tier that you really like before we drop down into the the bargain basement? Uh, I think one guy that may go under owned to you know the general population is going to be Kiradek off the Barnrot. Uh, so he's played the Masters once in 2016, finished 15th, uh, and he's played pretty solid this year. Uh, you know, with with three top tens in his, his last four starts worldwide, I believe. So yeah, he, he can you know, and he's a guy that isn't afraid of the moment and likes playing aggressive. And he also hits driver every hole and hits it pretty straight. So he hits it, it long too, it, and it's a long yeah. So he can rack up a lot of birdies for a guy that's you know 7100 is pretty pretty good value there. Mm-hmm. Um, so 6,900, there are some really good names right at, you know, the 68, 6,900 as well. So you, you got Pat Perez, Martin Keimer, Kevin Chappell, Brendan Steele, uh, Bryson, Jimmy Walker, Duffner, Stanley, uh, Willett. I don't, I don't think that's a good one. And then, uh, and then burned Wiesberger. I think Wiesberger's made his, made the cut every year at the Masters he's played. Yeah, I'd be more likely to pick Wiesberger in a like an office pool to where birdies don't matter because he's a guy that kind of plods around and doesn't make a ton of birdies. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know for DraftKings he may not be the best choice for that. Okay, what about uh, either any of those guy other guys? Yeah, I, I definitely like Pat Perez this week. He, he's kind of got the you know the good attitude coming in. To where he's going to be attacking the golf course, but when he gets up going, he has the ability to, you know, he's not afraid of, of going up against a Justin Thomas or a DJ in contention. Whereas some of these other guys haven't necessarily proven themselves as much. Where I think Pat Perez could actually get it done if he was on, you know, in the final pairing on Sunday. I'm all in on the scientists this week. I'm actually, believe it or not, a big Bryson fan this week as well. I mean, he was really, really great at Bay Hill. He was really awesome. His first appearance at the Masters, and he won a deer run, of course, with a lot of side slopes and uh, uneven lies and fairways. Yeah, I think I think picking the correct one or two players down here is going to be what differentiates you know a winning lineup on DraftKings this week, $20 million. Is picking the one or two guys down here that finish top six, top seven, that's what's going to win it for you. Um, Jimmy Walker's actually been playing pretty well lately and obviously has had a really good track record at uh, Augusta. What do you think about him? Yeah, I definitely like him as another option on DraftKings, even in pool formats, because based on how he's playing, he's going to be pretty far down in some of the pools that are, you know, putting like, you know, pods of 10 players. He may be in your fifth or sixth pod and maybe a pretty good option down there. Mm -hmm. Um, anybody else, you know, below there, do you like any, any of these guys to take a flyer on any of the AMs or anything? Uh, I I tend to stay away from the AMs AMs and some of the senior guys. 
just because there's really not that much upside. I'd rather have somebody else take them and, you know, not saying it's dead money, but I'd rather, you know, have them choose them for at a couple percent on DraftKings and hopefully they don't play that well and just knocks out one more entry I don't have to go up against. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 Neiman is very talented, but it's such a crapshoot. Yeah, and then the one thing with all the young amateurs playing here is the fact that it's most of them it's their first time playing here, which even if it was a pro, I'm most likely not playing a guy if it's his first time here. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's move on to one and done. You're in the one sure. and done. Um, what are you looking for this week? Is it is it based off of where you're at in the standings? I know it's kind of early in the season still, but is it are you looking at it based off of where you're at in the standings? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good way to approach it. And I'd also want to probably chart out what you're going to do for the rest of your majors or rest of the season and, you know, figure out, you know, roughly what are your options going forward to where, let's say, you don't want to blow Dustin Johnson this week if you're going to pretend to use him for the U.S. Open or, or, or another major, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not one for organization. So what, <laughs> what, do, what do you do if you're me? Uh, I, I would just take a look and think, you know, Give yourself a couple options, and, and you know if you're near the top of your standings, you may want to go somebody more chalkier, such as if you have Jordan Spieth available, he's probably going to be the highest-owned guy in your league this week, and you'd probably want to play him if you're near the top. If you're a little bit lower in the standings, maybe you go with a guy like Phil Mickelson, who won't be as high-owned, or, or maybe even you know Justin Rose, who you know pretty much has made it his mission to win at Augusta this year after losing last year. He's kind of you know put his schedule made around winning the Masters this year, finished, you know, in the last seven t- times at Augusta, he finished outside the top 14 only once. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he played, didn't play great this week in Houston, which I think is going to get some people off of him for one-and-done purposes, which makes it even better if you're going to choose him. Yeah, I, I think going into this week, he finished in the top 10, 13 of his last 15 starts, which is unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like that. What do you... I. I Guy I really like is Justin Thomas. Do you think he's going to be high owned across the board? Uh, he's probably going to be, I think, in the top five in terms of ownership. I, I'm thinking on DraftKings, maybe around 20%. Uh, but in terms of like one and done, he'll probably be fourth or fifth in terms of ownership. I would think Spieth would be one. Uh, I'm actually thinking a lot of people are going to pick Tiger this week in one and done just because of the history and the fact that, you know, Tiger's back. He's coming to Augusta, he owns Augusta. I'd rather save Tiger if he's truly back to play maybe at the Bridgestone later in the year. You got anybody that uh, if you wanted to go really kind of off the wall, say you're near the bottom of your one and done and you want a chance to really make up some ground? I mean, you can go with a guy like Tommy Fleetwood. He, he's probably not going to be picked much in your league, and he's pretty much the best iron player on, on the European tour. Uh, so he, to me, he reminds you kind of a young Justin Rose where – He's may not necessarily be the best putter, but his driver's pretty good, and then he's just really, really good with his irons. Yeah, I uh, I think he's 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 like the uh, golf nerd pick of the week. I feel like, but there aren't a ton of golf nerds out there. So, um, but uh, yeah, and and it's so hard to pass on some of these top guys. So, um, what else you got for us? Uh, there, there's not that much out yet because we haven't had much of the odds uh, placed out there out yet. They've had the odds to win being put out there, but not much in terms of any other matchups or 
any other uh, prop bets for for the Masters. So if so, you want, you can follow me along on, on Twitter during the week, and I'll have updates on there uh, at Fried Egg Pauly. Any, um, yeah, it's always a good follow. Any good uh, long shots you like this week? Uh, there's when it comes to the Masters, I tend not to play many long shots just because you have so many of the top tier players in good form that one or two of them are going to play good, and I don't see a guy from outside the top 15 or 20 in the world winning this week. Not even Kyle's play of Louie? If there was a guy, that would be the guy probably. <laughs> um, any? Uh, do you ever do like top 10 bets? From yeah, I do top 10, top 20, uh, and there's all kinds of other, other bets as well. Masters is pretty much the best week of the year in terms of bets. There's literally every possible bet out there. There's, you know, over-unders on everybody's finishing positions in the field too are out there so it's a it's a pretty fun week to be uh to be looking at the masters yeah so follow fried egg Polly on twitter at fried egg Polly, and uh you'll get updates on that and uh we'll be looking for a good week here so gun to your head who wins the 2018 masters justin rose all right i I, this always happens to me. I don't know. I'm 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 taking Justin Thomas, but I'll probably switch the day of, <laughs> and then Justin Thomas will win. Yeah, exactly. This happened to me a couple of times this year. It happened to me with Day when he WD'd from that damn uh, proimatory, right? Yeah, and then it happened yep. with me with Phil. I'm in another league where you have to pick an Illinois golfer. It's with all my college buddies. And my mm-hmm. buddies started talking about how that you had to pick the Illinois, and I'd forgotten about the rule. And I had Phil in Mexico, and I then, sure enough, I switch it to Peters, and uh, Phil wins. I'm like, <laughs> this week I, I'm going with JT. I've been saying it all week, so I'm going with JT. Okay, well, good luck. All right, man. We'll uh, we'll get a uh, we'll do our draft also later this week. So that'll be in uh, Wednesday's newsletter. Sign up for the newsletter and uh, good luck to everybody in their contests.